0: Welcome to Rise Up in Business, the law podcast for small business owners. This podcast is designed to share important legal information without the stuffy legal jargon. I'm Tracy myler Let's get into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Rise Up in Business podcast. Today, I'm going to do an episode where I am answering your questions. So, I've gone out to you on socials. Here's a hint. If you're not following me on Instagram yet, please do. I'm very active on Instagram. There's a lot of interaction on Instagram and I share a lot of value. My handle on Instagram is at tmsolicitor. So easy to remember. So, jump over and follow along if you haven't already. So, I've gone out to you on socials and I've asked, what are your questions? What are the top questions you have for a business lawyer so that I can answer them in this episode? I have eight questions and I'm going to work through them one by one. Let's dive in. First question, which is not uncommon and it comes up a lot with new clients that reach out to me, is what structure is best for my business? Great question, but there's no cookie-cutter answer here. There's no hard and fast rules. The two most common business structures for small business are a sole trader or a company, the sole trader being when it's you As an individual operating in your individual capacity with your own ABN, operating your business that way. The other most common structure is the company structure, where you are a director and a shareholder, sometimes with other directors and other shareholders, of a company, and the company owns and operates the business. So, a company is a separate legal entity. As you probably know, it has its own tax file number, it has its own ABN, and you're operating your business through the company. From my perspective, legally, the most common reason that a business owner will set up a company structure is if they're in a high risk industry or the business carries risk and we want some asset protection. I am a lawyer, not an accountant, obviously, so I can't talk to you about all the tax reasons and accounting reasons as to why you might opt for one over the other. But from a legal perspective, That's the conversation I have with clients around asset protection and vision. But if you're thinking business structure, think long-term, what's your end in mind? What is your vision? What do you ultimately want to achieve with this business? That's a great starting point when you're thinking about your business structure because different business structures will lend themselves to your vision and your goals. So it's definitely worth having the conversation. There's no one size fits all though is what I really want to share. The second question, so the next three questions relate to contracts. No surprises there. The second question is, I don't know what I need. Can you help? Yes. Can I just say here, you're not alone. People that reach out to me often will say, Tracy, I don't know what I need. I don't know what you need to help me with, but I know I need you. And I love that. I love that blank canvas and I love that really open and honest mindset can I help? Yes, of course I can. That's what I'm here for. The starting point for this in discussions that you and I will have, or that you should have with any business lawyer, is around what your business does, what the industry is, where your risk is, and what legal obligations you have in terms of compliance. So, different businesses need different legal documents, but if you're a long-time listener, you've heard me say, all small businesses need the three core documents your business terms and conditions or whatever you want to call it it can be called your client service agreement your design agreement whatever it is that you do in your business it's the agreement that you have with your clients and if you have a website which most small businesses do these days the second document you need is your website terms and conditions and the third is your privacy policy so they are the core trio of documents and to be honest They're the ones I do most often for clients. We package them up. So we have packages, various packages, but the most common package that clients engage me for are the business T's and C's, the website T's and C's, and the privacy policy. But as I say, depending on what you do in your business and what type of business you have will nuance the type of documents that you need. Can I help? Yes. Reach out, ask the question. You can contact me via email. You can contact me via DMs and Instagram to start the conversation around your business and what you need to do moving forward. The second, well, the third question, the second contract question, how do I know if my contracts are legally binding and enforceable? Oh, gosh, that's a good one. How do you know? Well, if you've had them drafted for you and tailored by a business lawyer or a contracts lawyer, chances are they're legally binding and enforceable. There are so many things that come into play for a document to be legally binding and enforceable. You can't just assume because you've got them from a friend or you've bought a template that they're legally binding and enforceable because not only do they need to be drafted in a certain way to be legally binding and enforceable, they need to be used in a certain way. So you need to give them to the clients in a certain way. Sometimes they need to be signed. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they get issued with a proposal or a scope of works. Sometimes they don't. It's all nuanced, which is why I say on here and over on socials so much, don't use templates for your legal documents because you don't know what you don't know and you don't know if they're any good. You don't know if they're doing all the things and you have no way of knowing if they're legally binding and enforceable. So, have a look at them. Where would you get them? Have a think about that when you're asking yourself the question, are they legally binding or enforceable? And if you're not sure, again, reach out. Let's have the conversation. And that dovetails into the next one, the next question I had, which is can you review what I have in place? Yes, I can. So, if you're not sure if they're legally binding or enforceable, if you're just not sure that what you've got is what you need – or that what you've got is doing what it needs to do, by all means, please reach out and ask the question. I have packages that I offer for document review. There are ways that we can tackle it. There's various ways we can tackle it in terms of our approach to review what's in place. But I always like to take the time to understand your business and how you do business so that I can answer the question holistically because there's no one-size-fits-all. So we really need to understand holistically what you're doing so we can assess what you need. And then we can look at what you've got in place. So that's the third one. The next two questions, great questions. They relate to employment law. Really common questions here. I get asked these all the time. So I was really pleased to see these pop up. First one was, what do I need to be aware of when employing staff? So good. So good for asking this. And I feel like this is almost a typical lawyer answer in a way. And you know, I don't like doing that but it really comes down to what industry are you in, what business are you operating, and how are you engaging people. As a starting point, you need to understand the difference between employees and contractors. That's huge. So I often hear people using the term contractor and casual employees interchangeably, and often they're wrong. People have got them around back to front. So we need to understand, first of all, the difference between the employee and the contractor. If you want to read more about this, you can dive over to my website, tmsolicitor.com.au and go to the resources page. I write a lot of content for the resources page. We update it every couple of weeks with something new and there is a ton of content on there around employees and contractors and the difference and how do you know and all the things. So the first thing I'd say what you need to be aware of is the difference between them. Then I would say you need to be clear on what your business needs Sometimes the business actually needs a contractor. Other times it needs a part-time employee. But knowing the difference between those roles helps you work out what it is you need in your business. I have conversations with clients a lot and they think they need a casual employee when actually what they've described to me is a part-time role. And sometimes people have contractors and unbeknownst to them, They're not genuine contractors, they're actually employees, and that raises a whole heap of issues in terms of legalities and potential exposure for the business. So we've got to get it right. We've got to get it right, the terminology and the roles and understand what the business needs and understand the best way to meet those needs for the business. And the third point I'd say here, which will come as no surprise, whichever way you land, you need to make sure you've got written documentation in place. So whether it's an employee, full-time, part-time or casual, or whether it's a contractor, you need to make sure you have the appropriate agreement in place for that team member. There's just no shortcuts here. The risk is huge if you don't have documentation in place or if you don't have the right documentation in place, your business can be exposed down the track of things you're not even thinking about now in 6 months, 12 months, 18 months' time something unexpected happens or something occurs that you weren't anticipating, your business can be exposed if you don't have this right. And what do I mean by exposed? Well, if you've got a contractor who's really an employee, for example, you could be exposed later when you receive a claim for unpaid leave entitlements or unpaid superannuation, and gosh, that can accrue quickly because you didn't have the right framework in place for the role. I thought it was a contractor. We agreed they were a contractor. They signed a contractor agreement, but the reality is they were an employee, so then it doesn't matter what the agreement says. They were an employee as far as the law is concerned. Things have gone awry, and that person's gone to the Fair Work Commission and they've served you with a claim for unpaid super or unpaid leave entitlements or a whole host of other things. That's an example of what I mean when I say your business is exposed and what can happen when things go wrong. So make sure we're crystal clear on the roles, who's filling the role, whether it's genuine, and we've got the right documentation in place. The next question in relation to employment law is, can small businesses be sued for unfair dismissal? This comes up a lot because most small business owners know that they're exempt, in theory, at a high level, they're exempt from unfair dismissal claims. But You still have obligations as an employer and you're still bound or you're still required to follow and comply with the small business fair dismissal code. So there is such a thing as the fair dismissal code. If you're an employer, if you haven't seen it, if you're not aware of it, jump over to the fair work site and have a look at it. It's there. You can download it. You can end up in difficulty as a small business owner if you dismiss somebody the wrong way. That's the short answer to the question. So whilst technically you are exempt from being sued for unfair dismissal, you can still have a legal stash on your hands, you can still end up in a situation which causes you grief as an employer if you don't do things properly and fairly when terminating an employee. That's the most succinct way I can say it. If you are considering performance managing an employee, or if you are sure that you've reached a point where you need to let someone go, take advice first. Hand on heart, take advice first is what I say because you can save yourself a lot of time and energy and potentially money because if you get this wrong and the employee feels hard done by or wronged, you can end up in a situation where you've got to justify what you've done and that takes time, energy and money. Something I talk about a lot on here and I've talked about it recently on the podcast, is the value of who you surround yourself with in business. Really, your team of advisors should be a business lawyer, who you've got on the end of the phone, who you can ring and say, hey, Tracy, this person's really not working out what do I do? What are my obligations? How do I do this? What do you recommend? Ask the question of your advisor. Surround yourself with the right people as a small business owner so you've got this network of support to ask these questions and make sure they're the right people to give you the support you need. Last two questions. How much does it cost to have my contracts prepared? I love that. I don't know. It depends. Again, typical lawyer answer. It depends. It depends on what you need. And from what i said earlier, what you need is determined by the industry you're in and the type of business you're running. But reach out and get a quote. So for businesses like ours, we have several packages that we offer to clients and we also tailor packages. We don't charge on an hourly rate. We don't charge for emails. We don't charge for perusal of letters or phone calls. Every lawyer or law firm will charge differently. So get a really clear understanding first on what you're signing up to and how they charge. My view is there's nothing worse than having a lawyer who says to you, yes, I can do this. It'll probably cost this much, but I can't be sure. It depends on the work required, so therefore we'll charge you on an hourly basis. So you could get a bill for a 1000 or $10,000. you have got no way of knowing, and they're not prepared to back themselves by giving you really firm fee estimates and locking themselves into a fixed fee. I don't like that. That's a story for another episode coming up, but I don't like that. That's not how I roll. It's not how I run my business. But I get that that's how a lot of lawyers do it, And that's why business owners can have real objections or real hesitation to reaching out to lawyers to ask the question, how much is it going to cost? So find yourself a lawyer you vibe with, that you connect with. So find a lawyer who can give you a firm free proposal that they're prepared to stick to so that you know at the outset what it's going to cost. So to the person who asked me that question, please reach out, email, DM, whatever suits so that I can understand a little more about your business and what you need, what you've got in place, what's missing. So then once I know that, I can give you a very firm fixed fee proposal that I will honour so that we can take care of everything that you need. And the last question is, do you draft contracts as well as provide all the advice on what's needed? Hell yes. Yes, I do. And I get asked this a lot actually, which is interesting because I talk a lot, don't I, on here and socials around getting advice and being supported and understanding what you need. But I suppose I don't really say then I can draft it for you. I suppose I just assume that you know. But for those who don't know me or that for those listeners that are new around here, I love contracts and all things legals and agreements. So, yes, we draft a lot of these every day. We're drafting something for someone and it can be your contracts and your agreements or your website documents or your distribution agreements or whatever it is that you need. If it's to do with contracts and agreements, chances are we do it. But by all means, reach out and ask a question. Ah, oh, there we go. That was a short and sharp episode of the top eight questions that you have shared with me. I hope that some of these have resonated. I hope it's been really helpful. If you've got other questions, by all means, please reach out and ask those. I'm always happy to answer questions. And these are the sorts of things that I address in our fortnightly briefing notes that go out to our email list. So if you're not subscribed to our list, to receive my fortnightly briefing notes, please jump over to the website and sign yourself up or send a DM and share your email address and your name with us and we can add you to the list. I share so much value in these fortnightly emails and I know from the feedback I receive and from the beautiful email responses I get that you not only enjoy reading them but they add value to you and often there's some quick and snappy actionable tips that you can implement in your business straight away that can help move the needle. As always, thank you so much for listening. I love recording this episode for you and I will catch you next week.